Hello, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. As a reminder, our episodes will be dropping bi-weekly for the foreseeable future at the beginning of the week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we're starting on the road to From a Certain Point of View, Return to the Jedi. This episode will be a recap of From a Certain Point of View, A New Hope, and the following episode, a recap of From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back, to prep you for all the certain points of view to come. We'll be joined by some special guests and, as always, have time for Kessel Run Book Club. But before we get into that, hi, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at taika.ytiti, on Instagram and Twitter, or X, I don't know, at mcuytiti, and on Hive, if we're still doing that as Valence Lover 69 And my brain room of the week is Goose from Saga talking like an Anzellan. He he is so little. I fucking love him. I want to be him. I want to be his for Halloween. I either want to be the outfit where he's like in the blue sweater with the hat with an axe or him in his jammies. I love his little jammies so much. Yeah. <laughs> Goose Nation, Goose, we rise. What a, Goose, what a guy. Um, love him. All right, I guess I'll go next. Um, yeah, go ahead, Leah. <laughs> I'm, as Hayden just said, Leah. I use she, her. Uh, find me on pretty much any social media uh, as uh, Deus Ex Valorate. Uh, my brainworm of the week is probably the same brainworm I've had for a good long while at this point, which is uh, Lady Groktar Tara Icemane from um, the comic, uh, The Hunger and the Dusk, second issue coming out at the end of this month. Could not be more excited to see her and Callum and all the rest of the hot work summer girlies again. I miss them so bad. I cannot believe they gave us that first issue and then we have to wait an entire month and a half for the next one. Yeah, and like, it's just, like, it's never before has a first issue hooked me that hard. I know. It's crazy how it just it's, like it grabs you. Maybe yeah. Saga. Maybe Saga is a, t- I don't, is a contender. Like Saga, Saga, the first issue hooks you because it starts with such a unexpected and unique place to That's start. That's valid. Which is, of course, um, spoilers for a over 10-year-old comic, <laughs> um, which is, of course... Uh, a woman asking if she's shitting herself while giving birth. Um, great place to start a comic. That's going to get you hooked. But like, it's something different when it's like, I don't know what got I me I think hooked. it's the world building. It's it, the, the, the world building so the well. The art integrated. too. The art is fantastic. The art. Tara being her. She's just gorgeous. Um, Hot people too. That's always yeah. Um, yeah. Delicious. August thirtieth by G Willow Wilson. Everybody. All right, Claire. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um. Yeah. My name is Claire. My pronouns are she they. Um. I am on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Crees. I think I'm Claire Crees on Hive. I don't know. I'm something on there. So good luck finding me. Um. My brainworm of the week, which will definitely come up again when we talk about what we've been reading later, 
but my brainworm is the gender ambiguous plague doctor in the book that I am reading. Um, <laughs> teaser for when I talk about this book because it's really been making me feel crazy. Um, Morgan recommended it to me and I like literally like ate it up. It was so good. Um, but yeah, obsessed with them. We love Same. characters of indeterminable gender. Yeah, so true. We <laughs> really do. Okay, what has happened in the past two weeks? Oh, we collabed for like 0.2 seconds at Downtown Disney, which was very fun. Yeah, it was nice seeing y'all in person. Yeah, I may have gotten slight food poisoning from my tacos, though, so. (laughs) (laughs) Then I guess it's a good thing I had the rest of them. (laughs) It's okay. If, If... I, I think you'll survive, but lesson learned, don't go to Tortilla Joe's and get the tacos. Because let me tell you, those chicken tacos were like eating leather. I don't know what the heck was going on with those. Oh, it's it's dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. This technically... <laughs> this technically isn't in the, in the past two weeks, but in... The next two weeks that we are going to be releasing this episode in, I will be turning 21 and going to Disneyland and perhaps imbibing the devil's alcohol or devil's drink yeah. <laughs> with some besties. <laughs> um, so if you go to <laughs> Oga's and you hear someone loudly ranting about why balance should have been in empire strikes back that's probably me yeah yeah (laughs) probably yeah Uh. (laughs) i will i will be probably so gone that i will also be making an argument for jackson why jackson should have been in empire strikes back too you're so kevin scott coded and you would be so true I'm excited. I'm bringing plenty of water um, because it is also going to be very hot, which is not good when you're... It's always hot. Yeah. <laughs> but like actually hot and not California yeah. hot. Actually hot and not like transplant to California thinks it's hot, but it's actually normal temperature for the exactly. region. Exactly. You guys have never been to Disney World in August. That you have not experienced hot like that. You're right. I, I went to Disney World in July once, and I oh. died. No, it was. It was. <laughs> I thought I wasn't making it out. <laughs> Long story short, if you're going to Disney World or Disneyland within the next month, please bring lots of water because you will be sticky. Sticky to the touch the entire time. The viewers can't see, but I'm bouncing up my shoulders up and down. But (laughs) (sighs) so before we get started, um, on a more serious note, again, Castle Run Relay would like to restate our full support for the ongoing concurrent WGA and SAG after strikes against unfair labor practices and unlivable wages. We encourage our listeners to donate to the strike funds located in the description of the episode and continue sh- showing your support on social media and in other facets. So thank you for listening and let's get started. So now we're going to shift into our recap of From a Certain Point of View, A New Hope, 
And let's just take a couple minutes and chat about the concept of the series overall, because I think when I first heard about this, I thought it was brilliant. It's always, there's something so fun about the um, silly little phrases that um, were in these movies. Um, Shout out to writers. Um, The silly little phrases that were in these movies that have become so ingrained into the fandom, scum and villainy, from a certain point of view. Um, and it's so, it's it's just so fun that they took one of those phrases and they turned it into this beautiful series of anthology stories. I love when Star Wars is anthologies. I love when Star Wars is short stories. Um, I love when short stories just period. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also adore an anthology. I could pitch, like, 50 Star Wars anthologies right now. So, like, if anyone wants to hit me up, I have ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I just, like, I'm such a fact pop stan, and I'm very excited because I literally never get to, well, okay, I was gonna say I never get to talk about it, but I bring it up all the time on Fulcrum Transmissions, but Sage always gets annoyed. So now I actually get to talk about it at length. This is the safe um, space. And get a whole new book. And I'm very excited because yeah, I do. I love an anthology. I love a short story. And I love like getting all, getting all the, like so many authors together to do one big project where like they are each writing their own individual piece, but then like, not only are they linked together by like that they're all occurring within the time frame of the same movie, but there's also connections between like stories in A New Hope and stories in Empire and stories, and I'm sure there'll be stories in Return of the Jedi where like we see either the same characters or like recurring events, like um, what's the word, like connected throughout all three of the anthologies, which I love. Yeah, and I think what's re- what's also really great about having an anthology series with, I mean, 40 writers. How are you able to get 40 writers on a single piece of literature? Um, I think what's great about that is that you can see how they infuse their style into each of their stories within the anthology. Like, I mean, I could literally hear Daniel read his story out loud. Well, I literally could. He you could. You book. could. I couldn't because I read words on a page, but I could. I could hear his voice so clearly, like through his words, and it was the real, realest chapter I've ever read. By the way, um, but yeah, I think that creative aspect too was really, really interesting. Like, again, how are you able to get forty different people to work? towards one single literary goal while staying in the confines of this almost 50-year-old story that everybody loves. Um, So some of the authors, some of the standouts for me, Griffin McElroy wrote the the Jawa. What was his? It was the one about the Jawa and the the story maker. um, My best Stories in the Sand. Yeah. That was crazy. Jot my best friend actually. That one made me cry. Really? It's <laughs> yeah. so emotional. It's He's just so, a little guy. It's <laughs> so sweet and it's so it's a love letter to storytelling, which is so real for a collection of short stories. 
that's the thing is uh, with so many of these it's like some of them are like characters that I love who just like don't get a lot of time in the spotlight which is nice and always makes me emotional but some of them yeah like that one it's like uh, this character will never do anything ever again and yet like I now have an emotional attachment to them because of this like (laughs) five or ten page short story I think another thing this anthology accomplishes is it kind of if you're not uh and not an EU fan but like a book and comic fan you probably mostly consume things about like Luke and Leia and the original trilogy trio and what it really does especially in A New Hope is that I think it builds out the rebellion a lot and it tells the stories of a lot of like the background soldiers um let's see some standouts the the story Lena um by I can't find it right now but by Lena or not not by Lena but the story Lena the story grounded which freaking made me cry for no reason um what else I think yeah just things like that and building out the 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 kind of breadth of the rebellion and you really get to see a lot of like the background characters perspectives like like in the story I mentioned before, Grounded, you see the kind of like ground technician coordinator that works with all of the teams and all of the starfighter pilots who go into the battle above Yavin. And because she has such an emotional attachment to each of them, she can't really show it in the war room almost. And then when she's leaving the war room, she just kind of breaks down because she lost like, I don't even remember how many people. They lost almost, almost all of them. All of I think them. three people survived out of yeah. Gold Squadron and Red Squadron. Wedge, Luke, he, and Evan Berlain. Yeah. She lost the everybody. Three characters who had appeared in other stories yeah. already. It's, I, that was one of my favorite ones. Um, but yeah, that's one thing I really appreciated about this anthology and this anthology specifically because like of course they do it in empire strikes back but because this is such a foundational i mean it's it's a foundational piece of pop culture but not only pop culture but in the star wars universe i mean of course it was the first thing but getting to see the background stories by this wide variety of authors in all their different voices was just something very very special so do we want to start with our honorable mentions first before we go into our top three i'm down for that because i feel like we're going to get more variation in the honorable oh, yeah. mentions yeah like, there's a lot of overlap in the top three yeah <laughs> not that all these stories aren't excellent um but if there's if there's some that are just really standouts and we have very overlapping interests in star <laughs> wars <laughs> all right claire do you want to start off with your first honorable mention? Yeah. Um, so my first honorable mention, probably my top, like if I did a top four, this will probably be number four, um, is the first story in the book. It's called Ramus, and it's about one, p- p- possibly my most glup shitto glup shitto, Ramus Antilles, who I'm obsessed with um, because he is involved with house organa and like literally everyone who has anything to do with the organas i'm obsessed with or anyone who has anything to do with alderaan period um 
so yeah I love him a lot and this story like wow way to start off the book with me literally crying because he basically is like oh I'm gonna die uh let me write a letter to my wife and daughters uh spoiler alert he doesn't get to finish writing the letter and also when you think about it you're like oh his wife and daughters back on Alderaan which is about to get blown up okay um and also like the way that he literally like helped raise Leia basically like he had been a part of her life for like basically the entirety of her life and it was extremely close with like her entire family too um and so the way that at the end he's like she is literally like our last hope and like if anyone is going to see this through it's gonna be her wow yeah we just start off the book with that because it hurts but that's definitely my like top top honorable mention so good Alderaan never fails to get me emotional. Yeah, like, I can't even think I, about it. I mean, like, obviously, it was always a big moment, but shout out to Claudia Gray's, like, all of her books um, relating to Alderaan, um, because each of them make it hit harder and harder, and now... yeah. I- I can't even think about the planet for too long without crying. (laughs) That's the thing is like, obviously, you know, well, I mean, like I have like such a personal attachment to like a lot of characters on Alderaan or like somehow related to Alderaan. And it is obviously like a great tragedy within the universe, like an entire planet got destroyed. But beyond like the massive loss of life, just the fact that the people who, who survived, like, your their entire planet is gone like all the history all the people they knew there all the like oh my god why does my Siri keep opening sorry anyway um (laughs) all the like connections they have to that planet are like literally gone and this is something I'll talk about with like some of my other stories that I will be bringing up that have to do with Alderaan but like yeah just like that's something that I don't think that we can even fathom like your the entire planet is just gone like dust like there's literally nothing left and so like how do you even begin to grieve that kind of a loss like I don't even think that we can like comprehend that sort of tragedy because it's something that like can't really be replicated in the real world because like we only really have one planet you know like so the idea of an entire planet getting destroyed is like I can't even I can't even think about it without being being like oh my god how could they do that like Yvonne Verlaine specifically sticks out to me because not only has she been basically in the canon since Marvel had started publishing Star Wars comics again but because she is like chronicled to show up in the Battle of Yavin right after Alderaan I think how all of these rebel pilots kind of take Alderaan to heart and how it fuels them and how it fuels more defections from the empire and more people just joining the rebellion in general it's it's just it's chef's kiss I both love and hate stories about Alderaan because every single thing every single tiny little thing I learn more about Alderaan makes me more and more sad and I mean, obviously, they had no idea that Star Wars was going to blow up, pardon the pun, uh, the way it did. But in that split second of the movie, when you see 
the planet explode and you think about the sacrifice that like from the rogue one crew that had brought them to that very place it's just everything about it every single thing that i learned about alderaan whether it's from the comics whether it's from the the books like the the princess of the scoundrel scene when when leia said that she could feel brea putting the sword on her chest and she could feel the her father's whiskers on her head why would you bring that up i'm sorry you bring i'm that sorry up? I'm, I'm literally tearing up right now but every single thing i hear about it just makes me more and more sad so yeah, need- needless to say, Ramus is also in my honorable mentions. <laughs> Lee, are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god. I literally can't think about Bray Organa ever, actually. <laughs> it's so dark. So what's next on your honorable mentions? <laughs> um, okay, well... <laughs> My next one is also sad. Sorry. Um, my second honorable mention is Brew White Sun Lars. Um, another icon that I, I adore her. who was gone too soon and who they had to write a really heartbreaking story about her and her death and whatnot. Um, also, I think it is the funniest shit in the world that the second she met Anakin, she met him one time. It was like, I don't fuck with him. And then no, she, she was, was like right. half the story hating on Anakin, and I'm like, so real of yeah, her. Points <laughs> are being made. The way she's literally like, I stand Padme, even though I met her for like zero seconds, but <laughs> but I know Anakin was rancid. Oh my god, yeah. The way she opinion. is like, literally, she is like one of the truly, truly like unsung heroes of Star Wars. Like she literally raised Luke Skywalker, and no one ever talks about her because again, she died like immediately um after she was introduced as a character but and I also love that the theme of this story in this book is allowing her to tell her story because she never got to um because I think that that's so important and like it's it's very similar to like Bray Organa where it's like in the same way that it's like she literally raised Leia and we never talk about her Brew raised Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker I cannot speak to be who he is like we see Baru and Owen in the way that he acts and the way that he like lives his life and like their goodness like rubs off on him um to a degree that I think we don't even think about um so giving like just a little place for her to have her little moment where she was like also okay I love the part where she's talking about how she married Owen and she's like I had options okay I had options and I'm like yes you did yeah like like I do love Owen but like it was very funny to me how I was like yeah you did girl (laughs) you tell him love Baru queen she's so slay she's so slay she deserved better. She really yeah. did. She truly did. So what is next on your list, Claire? Okay, my next one is not sad. It does not involve so much like death and <laughs> sadness. Um, my next one is You Owe Me a Ride. Um, I was Shout saying out. this before we started recording, <laughs> but if there is a story with two sisters, I will be seated. I will be enjoying it um, because... I mean, especially in a franchise like Star Wars, where like sometimes women are not represented well or are only written in like 
in their relationship to men or like to the men in their lives and so I love when we get a story about like sisterhood or also things like you know motherhood or just things that are about women and their relationships with other women because I think that is something that is not often explored in Star Wars and is getting sometimes better recently but like in especially in A New Hope it's like you know the women are not (laughs) doing that much yeah um dark it is just it's really well written (laughs) they're slaying it's just a good one shout out to Zoraida Cordova as always yeah love you queen obsessed with her let her write more Star Wars books about with like major women characters yes Mm -hmm. please Uh, she can write the Ray of Poe book she okay, can write yeah. the Phantom Ray of Poe book we've all collectively hallucinated for the Ray past year and a half. Ray is written by Zoraida Cordova. Mwah. Yeah. Poe is written by Zoraida Cordova? Cordova? Delicious. I... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I know. Start, My like, brain is so big. After how she wrote Axel. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I need it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I need yeah. to stop thinking about the this vision. Then I'll just be sad it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> no, literally, I'm like, wow, this yeah. exists in my head. Um, to hop on to the you owe me a ride discussion, since that's also my honorable mention. Um, that one was like, I mean, there's a lot of stories in this that I just did not expect to like hit me. Um, and like. I don't know something about like how genuine the relationship between the sisters felt and how like they're they're always oppositional to each other but like they will also immediately be like there for each other I just you I and I love to see women winning you know yeah that's true <laughs> I love to see a woman slay yeah speaking of women which is not a sentence i get to say on this podcast a lot one of my honorable mentions is of course the trigger by kieran Dillon. yes yeah an afra story they did it for me afra chelly the disaster (laughs) i I love that story man (laughs) that story was such a good like distillation of opera because like you can tell that yeah. it's written for an audience of people who do not know opera yeah um which is like in contrast to pretty much everything else where opera has appeared with the exception of like her first appearance in Vader um like even the audio drama is like there's kind of a presupposition that you like know of her yeah whereas like this is this is very likely most opera. people's introduction people to out opera. of this knowing a lot about opera about who she is as a person about what she values um and like I think it's really cool how she like immediately susses out like oh yeah like there's no way that it would just be one person pulling a trigger on this like it's got to be a bunch of people in their masks turning turning switches um so each of them has plausible deniability um like she has such an intimate understanding of the way that evil works um, because she herself is a terrible person. Um, I say that with nothing but affection for her. (laughs) 
Um, she has such an intimate understanding of how evil works. And I love seeing, I don't know, I just love seeing people talk about the empire in universe, like talk about how they see the empire, how the empire works, um, mm-hmm. the minutia of how it works like that. Um, I also just love seeing Chelly being a horrible human being. So true. And she should be able to do that. I support lesbian wrongs. So true. Exactly, exactly. We, all three of us are comics girlies in this call. So I had a feeling we were all going to love the, this, the Afra short story. But I think it was also interesting to see, it, it's basically the events of, I think, the f- second arc of Afra 2016, but told like from a third person point of view and not necessarily like an outside observer. Um, so it was interesting to see it in that respect because I personally haven't read the audiobook yet, but from what I've heard, it's basically just like retelling her early life, um, her and Sana at the University at Barleth and just basically recounting her time with Vader. It's, but, it's really good. You should read and or listen to okay. it. Okay. I have I have the hardcover script book back at my house, so I may it's have really to- really good. You should read it. Slay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it was just really nice to see. And like you mentioned, she has a really like- she has an intimate understanding of how evil works. I mean, she literally worked for it and then faked her own death to get away from it. And then and worked she's... for it again. Exactly. And, and then, and then and, was and then it? Severely injured Darth Vader to get away from it. And then yeah. was it for a while and then kind of died <laughs> and then worked for it again and then just casually walked away. Um... <laughs> she's a disaster and she's so right for that. <laughs> but yeah the trigger by kieran gillen a plus from me um does anybody want to go next i have three more left i have i also um, have three more left i have i have only two that have not been read okay so i i want to take one right now um born in the storm by daniel jose older yep um Daniel Jose Older, one of the Star Wars authors of all time. Um, I love the format of this one. I love that this is kind of a recurring format in this book of like mm-hmm. imperial bureaucracy being such a sticking point, being such like a thing that people latched onto. Um, I so the whole story, you know, it's told as this mission report um, that a storm that one of the stormtroopers who was told that these are not the droids you're looking for uh is recording as he basically runs off into the sunset <laughs> so indiana jones is the last crusade of him um and i just I, it's so goofy and it's so silly and it's so fixated on do back <laughs> it's just it's Daniel Jose Older's love letter to a new hope. Um, and I love that. I love I love when you can tell that the author unabashedly with their whole being loves what they are writing. And that's one of them. Um, 
it's just a really fun read. Um, I think it would be like, I, I can imagine like reading it as like a comic would be like, mm. Ooh, that, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's Daniel Jose Older. It's, it's Daniel Jose Older is on the short list of authors who I will like, if I see something with their name on it, I will pick it up. <laughs> um yeah just a fun little story a little ditty yeah all right claire what about you um i have to bring up which actually it's very interesting that this story is here because these are two characters who i know a lot of people love a lot and i'm just like they're cool i guess um but master and apprentice i adore that story and I know I'm like exposing the fact that I just kind of think Obi-Wan is a cool dude and nothing more um which is not like I think he's a great character but I'm not like like obsessed with him in the way that a lot of people are same thing with Qui-Gon but I love the way this story explore and this is something Claudia Gray does really well is like exploration of like different force abilities and like what the force actually is in that like being like a force ghost or like being one with the force but also being able to like commune with the living is like a very unique thing that Qui-Gon was like literally like the reason that other Jedi get to do that in the future and so to have this story basically like center a lot around like his experience being like to feel things more deeply and to like know things at like before they have come to be which is the the unique thing here is that he knows that Obi-Wan is not going to be alive much longer but he can't you can't just like tell him that you know like you can't just tell him he's gonna die soon and Obi-Wan there's a line in this story that like I think about every day where something along the lines of like Obi-Wan actually like wanted to have more life to live or something like that I think about that all the time oh I know exactly which line you're talking about he he didn't want to die on the death star like he wanted to keep living he felt like he had a lot more to do and like I think it kind of makes his death and like the events surrounding that a lot more sad because when you watch it for the first time you're like oh he's an old guy like and he seemed pretty like at peace with his (laughs) death which I think in many ways he was but also like to hear it from Qui-Gon who obviously knows him extremely well and also for Qui-Gon to sort of admit that he feels he is the is the one responsible for a lot of what ended up happening because he's like I put too much responsibility on you you shouldn't I shouldn't have asked you to train Anakin and they both are sort of like know that they are ultimately not responsible for Anakin's fall to the dark side but also like neither of them can fully shake the blame um I don't know I just think it's a really good story and yeah it's like a look at their characters that I don't really think I ever had before and so even though I'm not like they're not like my favorite characters in the franchise or anything I really like this story and like the dynamic between the two of them especially at a point where like most of what we've seen with the two of them and by most I mean like pretty much all is when Obi-Wan was Qui-Gon's Padawan Mm -hmm. and so to see it like literally an entire lifetime later when yeah. he's st- and like he still calls him like my padawan and stuff and i think it's really interesting um but yeah uh, i love that story a lot 
I found the passage, page, page 87, for those of you with hardcovers. But after all his losses, all his sacrifice, all these endless years in the desert, Obi-Wan Kenobi still wants more life. This, too, is a kind of courage. Qui-Gon remembers the vitality of mortal existence, fondly but distantly. At least he has something better to offer Obi-Wan. Like, that is so sad, though, like, after everything he's been through, he still wants more life to live? Like, oh my god. Yeah. Foul makes me sad making me sad about obi-wan kenobi's death we can't be doing that Um, speaking of obi-wan kenobi's death um i'm hopping in here with my other honorable mention i do have a dishonorable mention that i will bring up later um (laughs) is time of death by captain yeah yeah Um, that's also on my list another (laughs) of my um, if I see his name on something, I know I can trust it. Author, definitely. Um, even though it's probably gonna have Jackson in it, actually, probably because it probably has Jackson in it. Um, <laughs> I'll save my thoughts just, for the Empire Strikes Back recap. <laughs> I am Obi Wan Kenobi, and I am dead. I think that sentence or that entire chapter would go crazy as like a live action short, like. The Last Jedi style Kyber mirror, like oh my god, it just, <laughs> not um, not to be that person, but like the visuals, delicious. And the fact that this yeah. whole thing is like putting emphasis, putting the focus on three words that he says right before he dies: "Run, Luke, mm-hmm. run," and like, I love. I mean, I love all these stories. I love the ones that are completely unexpected background characters. I love the ones that are um, broadening out the world with completely new characters. And I love the ones where it takes a small little moment and it makes it something beautiful and tragic and amazing. Um, And uh, similar to Claire, like, I like Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, but, like, I like other Jedi more, um, but that doesn't make his sacrifice for Luke any less fantastic, that doesn't make him any less of, like, a paragon of Jedi-hood in a lot of ways, um, and I think that this story is really an example of him being like a paragon of Jedi-hood of like, he is literally experiencing his own death over and over and over, which sounds horrible. Um, But he's still putting that all aside, putting his pain and sadness and grief over his own life aside to make sure that um, the new hope can live on and it's like wow maybe love is at the heart of everything the Jedi do I don't know you know whoa (laughs) that is a direct quote from maybe um, to love is to let go (laughs) exactly we're just quoting Daniel Jose Older (laughs) so true um Daniel Jose Older number one Jedi understander uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Slay. So, 
I will mention too, just because I talked a little bit about one of them in the intro. Um, one of my honorable mentions is Grounded by Greg Ruka. Ruka? Um, I forget what the main character's name is, but she's basically the coordinator of the ground teams who maintain the starships, whether it's like a Y-wing, X-wing, U-wing, A-wings, once they get those. Um, She basically coordinates everything and she knows where everything is at whatever time it is. So she has a personal connection to every single starfighter pilot that yes nara case she has a personal connection to every single starfighter pilot in the in the rebel fleet so she basically has to keep track of who dies what happens and where everyone is at all times she is i fucking love her and she's one of those characters that she has to kind of keep it in for for just outside um for for show i guess and then the and then greg ruka makes a point at the very very end of the story when dodonna and leia both leave the war room that she's the last to leave but she physically cannot leave because she collapses and lets the grief overcome her masterpiece of storytelling i love it but my second to last honorable mention is Desert Sun by Pierce Brown. So one thing about me, I am an unsurprised, I'm a surprising Biggs Darklighter enjoyer. And one thing about Biggs Darklighter is that he had an origin story in Star Wars Empire, the Dark Horse uh, series that ran in, I think, 2002 to 2006, so about four years. And he got, like, I think two or three really big major arcs where he was basically, he, you know, he went to the Imperial Academy, like he said, in A New Hope, but then he defected. I forget why he defected, but I think he led a riot on a Star Destroyer, and then he defected, and, like, I think, I think Yavin was the first flight he ever flew with the, with the rebellion, which makes it double sad, but that... This story not only being adapted from the comics, it also somehow, like, it insinuates that Biggs is Force-sensitive somehow, and I can't remember if, it, if that's in the Dark Horse version or in the, the From Certain Point of View version, but seeing him kind of, like, accept that he knows it's coming, that shit really gets me. And I will say this also opens the door for Janik Sunbert to be recanonized because he's Tank. He's mentioned in from in A New Hope, and he is Tank, which means we have the possibility to get him back. So please recanonize Janik Sunbert. Him, him and Biggs are known as the other sons of Tatooine, which is why I think it's interesting that the that the chapter was called Desert Sun. I, I'm literally Pepe Sylvia jumping right now, but long story short love Biggs Dark Lighter. Give me Janik Sunber back. Okay. Claire, did you have one more story? Okay. Yeah, because we got Time of Death. Incredible. Um, <laughs> my last story is The Baptist. Um, Ooh, unrecognized yeah. icon. Okay, here's the tea with this story is that like last, so I read this book like a couple years ago, probably. I don't know. Um, and like last summer, I got, I started reading, um, Nettie Okorafor, who wrote this story, other books, 
I mean, I didn't, I hadn't even put it together that she was the person who wrote this story. And so I started reading all her books and I was like, I'm like obsessed with her. Like she's such a good author. And then when I was like revisiting this, like last year or whenever, I was like, oh my God, she wrote that story in Agpa of a New Hope. Um, and so I reread it. And of course I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like she, I think she's just like, yeah, aside from like, I think the like premise of this story is very interesting. I mean, like talk about a character that you didn't expect to have like strong feelings about. Um, but I also just think that like she, is an unbelievably talented writer um and so I like literally anything she writes I will just eat it up so I have to mention this story because it is just so good and like maybe maybe my best friend is actually this like tentacled monster that lives in the trash like maybe <laughs> sorry I just remembered that I have my Janik Sunber figure from the oh, Hasbro <laughs> from the little Hasbro <laughs> comic book sets I can't believe I forgot about him but he he bring him back please and he's supposed to be dirty I promise <sighs> sorry continue I don't know. bring my I baby girl back anyway <laughs> Stan the Baptist Stan Nettie for I love when the force is kind of weird <laughs> mm-hmm so true that's really all i have to say about the baptist that has <laughs> no not even entirely also a story about the canon, force being weird also canon fluid or canon gender fluid dianoga so yeah, real of actually, them. <laughs> uh, so i can't with this book okay good times my Should last I say one. my oh you oh you no got yours. you go ahead no 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 I'll, I'll save the dishonorable mention for last oh okay so yeah, my last story is The Angle by Charles Soule. So I have talked about this before. I am a Lando enjoyer, okay? I love the Lando miniseries from 2016. I love Lando Double or Nothing. I love him in Shadow in Shadow of the Sith. I, I, I like Solo a little bit. Like, I love Lando. So seeing this continuation of their kind of, of Lando and Lobot's kind of friendship, like, um alliance i i think is more accurate seeing the continuation of that alliance from like the lando miniseries i really enjoyed that um also in legends him and it's actually pretty similar to what's going on in the comics right now the empire infiltrates bespin and the empire takes over his um his implants again and literally I think it's issue 54 where it's it's Lobot literally swinging and punching Lando in the face. And then one of my favorite panels of all time is Lobot is like at a control panel or something and Lando bursts in through the door behind him and he goes, hey, Lobot, you're fired. <laughs> Still one of my favorite panels of all time. But yeah, love the angle by Charles Soule. Also, click clack sounds so fun. And I have a Sabacc deck, so I will be playing. Okay, that is it for my honorable mentions. Now it's time for Leah's dishonorable mention. I say and dishonorable I think we mention. all know what it I is. I say it with <laughs> nothing but love and adoration in my heart. Drum roll. Um, <laughs> um, I just got it. Of MSC 6 and Men oh by Glenn Weldon. <laughs> Tarkin taught. You, you did not prepare me sufficiently for this story. 
I knew it so was bad. So much worse than you could ever imagine. But it's so thing. much like, better than you could ever imagine. Like, I hated God. every moment like, I was reading I, it, but, like, incredible, incredible story. I, I target one of the most evil men in the entire Star Wars franchise. I am giggling and kicking my feet <laughs> that he is having a little gay situation ship with TK421. <laughs> And the funny thing is, is that TK421 is the Stormtrooper designation number that is on the most merchandise. Like, I literally have a shirt right now that says TK421 on it. How does it feel to know that you have a shirt that is Tarkin's boyfriend? <laughs> it's cursed knowledge, unfortunately. Every time I watch A New Hope and they like, I think they like say TK421 over like the speaker or whatever. And I'm like, they don't know that you they don't know. have an affair with Grand no, They don't know that Luke specifically was wearing tk 421 It's a gay on gay crime. Oh! Um, <laughs> how do I know that it was Luke? Because... Uh, because the way that G7 knows it isn't TK421 is because he's 12 centimeters too short. Oh, he's a little short that. for a stormtrooper. It's um, so rancid. Oh my it's god, so, I can't. It's such, it's, it's the same vibe of uh, some of the other stories where it's like told kind of through logs, um, which I love. I always love a story like that. I love, um, you know the the droid's memory being slowly corrupted over time um the, the hollow recorder being damaged the hollow recorder being damaged the tarkin it's like poetry it rhymes when tarkin is like play back the whole message he's beautiful um <laughs> please i cannot um well, it's, it's, I hate it's, people Leah, did you listen to the audio book a pimple on his chin <laughs> Wait, did you uh, listen to the audiobook? to the audiobook for this one. Um, you read it? I read that one, yeah. So I I switched funny. between the audiobook and the physical the book. The choices that were being made for, like, the voices that they... <laughs> oh, I, just, I, I can't. I, so funny. I am so, and, you know, <laughs> a lot of times when a villain is given a, like, romantic interest um which i was surprised by how much like how romantic this actually was i thought it was like i thought it was like a a just sex thing but like no they're like chatting about moving in together and stuff um they're you hauling you hauling i can't but lesbian dark and real and like some, you know, sometimes when a villain is given romantic interest like this, it's used to be like, oh, but like, they're not all bad. Like, he's capable of love. But like, I really do feel like Tarkin being capable of these like tender moments of like, um, of him like talking about moving in with his boyfriend and stuff <laughs> is so it makes it so much more terrible that then he chooses to explode a planet. It makes it, it so much more terrible that he chooses <laughs> to um, stay on the chance of blowing up the rebellion rather than getting to safety. It makes it so much terrible every step that he's taken along the way from when we 
first see him in the timeline to the moment of his death. Like, he's also okay. He is fully capable of, and like, not that romantic love is anything more than like platonic love, not that romantic love is the end all be all. Um, but like, between this and his relationship with Zara in comics and um, the relationships of like friendship and stuff that you know he had with other people, uh, or at least the close working relationships that we know he had with other people. We know that this is a man who is fully, like you can't, you can't, it's something that you see a lot is like people attributing evil acts to like being mentally ill, unwell, something like that. Like, no, this is like one being, you know, aromantic or being, um, you know, not forming strong platonic relationships. That doesn't make you evil. We need to stop that. Stop making villains asexual and aromantic just to make them seem less human. Um, That's literally what I was gonna say. Like the the like, so many people are like, "Oh, this character is evil. Let me headcanon them as like asexual or aromantic." And this right. story was literally like, "No, fuck you guys." Um, um, Tarkin is such a well-formed character and such a terrifying villain because he's like one of the most banal everyday villains in Star Wars. He's not he's not a otherworldly tactician like Thrawn. He doesn't have magic powers like Vader. He's not coming back from the dead like Palpatine. He's just a guy. A guy who thinks that fascism is right. <laughs> and little too real (laughs) yeah he's a very real character Mm. and like I love that he's a fantastic character and I hate him intensely as a person unfortunately I am plugging the Tarkin agenda but I think um is it James Lucino I don't remember it is okay but yeah Unfortunately, Tarkin is not as bad of a book as I thought it was going to be. And it was actually a very interesting look at Tarkin as a character. I think it takes place about like five, ten years before A New Hope. So this is still like when he's still getting his bearings into the Empire. And I don't think he was Grand Moff yet. But if you like Tarkin, you should read Tarkin by James Asino. I can back that up. It is a good book. Um, I also can't think about Tarkin without thinking about how he's from Ariadu and then thinking about Stop! Cossum. <laughs> if you think about it, Cossum and Sunshine um, are both from Ariadu. If, no, but if That's, you think about it, Cossum, oh my god! I if you think about really it, Cossum directly led to um, Ariadu doubling down on being militarized <laughs> which led to Tarkin being um okay Ka- being okay Tarkin. so Kazim is responsible for the destruction of Alderaan is what so I'm right true now. yes Tarkin is somehow we can always blame Kazim <laughs> Kazim is actually responsible for um Leia being outed as the daughter of Vader in Bloodline you think um, that Tarkin learned about Kasim in like history class? 
he absolutely did. Yeah. Um, I can't do this. He absolutely <laughs> learned about Kossif in his history classes. Um, are we ready to go into the top three? Indeed. <laughs> uh, um, do you want to go yeah. like Leah Claire me? Sure. Slay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to skip over one of my top three because I'm going to let Claire talk about it. And you're going to know which one it is. Um, another of my top three is actually the other two of my top three are two that have already been mentioned. Um, one of them is Stories in the Sand by Christian McElroy. Um, it's a story about stories, which is so important to me in anthologies. Like I love seeing a story that's about why we tell these stories, which is why I'm really looking forward to the from a certain point of view story and from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. Um, I love reflections on like what makes a hero. Um, I love, everyone loves an underdog. Um, and like the Jawas are just fun. They're funky little guys. Um, and he is you know, two Josh, hems tall. He's two hems tall. And Jack's story of like trying to basically preserve the memory of these droids that are being wiped is such a like, because like we're not going to get into how horrid it is that these a lot of droids are pretty much sapient, um, pretty much self-aware. And like, we know that the thing that lets them be, become fully sapient and fully self-aware is like developing a personality over time as they don't have their memory wiped. So like, I don't want to get too much into how inhumane it seems to me to just wipe a droid's memory and like remove their self-awareness. Um, but like the fact that he's trying to preserve in his own memory, even what these droids know, what these droids have seen, what stories they have to tell the galaxy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Griffin McElroy, you are crazy for that. <laughs> Griffin McElroy why would you do this to me um yeah that story made me cry um yeah and then the other one that has also already been mentioned is grounded um uh, grounded narrow case i'm so sorry that you've lost all of your pilot um, poor woman i i love So as much as I love, I adore the stories of the characters who are so fueled by hope, who are like, I cannot lose hope. I've got to keep going. I also love, and this is, this is why I love um, Alexander Freed in general. Um, love him. I love characters who are like, I want so desperately to hope, but until I can hope, I'm just going to keep working. Um, shout out to Alphabet Squadron get you some therapy um, but Nera just 
not not going through the motions, like keeping herself as composed as possible, going through marking down every cause of death, every and the fact that maybe only one ship got taken out because of a mechanical failure and everything else got taken down by an enemy. She's clearly very good at her job. She and her crew very clearly really good at their job. And that makes it so much more like she's done everything right. She has done everything she possibly can and still tie, 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 flack, tie, tie, taking out all of these people who she cares about, all of these ships that she and her crews have poured their hours into. Damn. <laughs> So, who wants to talk <laughs> next about their top three? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Claire. My top three are so unbelievably on brand um, and predictable. So, here we go. My number three is Contingency Plan. That's my number um, two. This, wow. I, I could feel the anxiety in my stomach as I was reading this. Even though I've known for years how this movie ends, I was still worried about how the story it's was going to end. so, and like, I have been a Mon Mothma stan for like, like ever. Um, and the good old days when we didn't have Andor and we basically just had like this story and a couple other like books. Um, and she like, I think that we think of Mon Mothma a lot of times and by we I mean like more casual Star Wars fans who kind of only know her from like her brief appearance in the original trilogy and like maybe if you've seen Rogue One whatever and even if you have like seen Rebels she's regarded as like this symbol of hope for the rebellion because like one she's like the most prominent leader by the time we get to like Return of the Jedi because pretty much everybody else is dead and she also like it's very striking to me how she always is wearing like her all white like outfits and like that's just how we think of her is like she is the hope of the rebellion and this entire story is her planning out her own surrender and it's it's especially the part when she's imagining her future where she's in like the imperial palace talking to Palpatine and she's like and I'm there of my own volition because at that point I will have no choice but to renounce the rebellion and he will keep me alive in case he needs to use me in the future and she literally is so she's so prepared to like accept failure and it's not that she doesn't like care about the rebellion or believe in the cause because obviously she does but literally everything is stacked against them and A New Hope is very much a movie where it's like oh, everything kind of, like, works out in the end as, like, unrealistic as that may be, and this really delves into, like, the odds of that working were so incredibly small, and the fact that it did is a miracle in and of itself, and so to have this person who is, like, everyone looks to her, everyone is, like, wants her to tell them what to do next, and she's, like, maybe our next move is, like, that we literally lost, like, maybe this is literally it, um, so yeah I just I love her so much and I think yeah this story is really like one of the first things for me that made me be like oh she's a lot more of a character than just like that lady who is leading the rebellion which you kind of think she is and like 
there's so much more depth and also like flaws to her like she's a very imperfect character and again is a character who was like a symbol of like perfection almost from like her brief appearances in the movies like you are meant to believe that she's got it all under control she's so put together and every other appearance anything from her point of view or even like that surrounds her like personal life is like oh she actually is like falling apart like all the time and literally everyone is looking to her and I just yeah and so she like can't she doesn't have the luxury of being able to fall apart and there's also like the interesting like how she's like I sit at a desk and send children off to fight and like then there's a part where she's like I'm here eating a nice meal while while, like people are literally dying like all that kind of stuff because it is very interesting like she as much as she is involved she is not like on the front lines you know like she's very much a behind the scenes person and like a coordinator and a leader and so she's never the one like doing the physical fighting um and she has a lot of like guilt almost about that is that like she's not the one dying like she's sending other people to die um so I think it really affords like the nuance of like there are people like that and there are characters like that and it's you know there are good and bad things about people in that situation so yeah the Mon Mothma story in Return of the Jedi is literally gonna ruin my life (laughs) I'm not ready I'm really not ready and remember she has been doing this like Padme like Leia since she was a teenager so this is like two and a half going on three decades of her doing this politicking and sending people off to die and she's been carrying this guilt for so so long and you can I mean of course you can see it in Andor but it especially comes out here and I think Alexander Freed was the perfect person to write Mm -hmm. this story because he does he does really well with adding a lot of dimension to characters like Mm -hmm. Alphabet Squadron it's been a while since I've read that trilogy but he was able to build out this kind of like random crew of like clashing personalities. He was able to build them out so well and have them work with the, with the, at least work amicably with each other to reach a certain goal. But he's, he was just the perfect person to, um, to write Mon's conflicted psyche, I think, and go into her fears and go into her planning and all of the intricacies of her other plans that thankfully, thankfully did not come to bleh, come to fruition. But I think the one that Claire mentioned, the one of her like in chains at the Imperial Palace, that was scary. Yeah, because it's like, you're like, oh, that would never happen. And then you're like, but it literally it, kind of almost yeah. did. Like it yeah. totally could have if things had not worked out. And that's like, Star Wars as a franchise is always about hope. I mean, like a new hope. Like it's been there since the very beginning. Hope is kind of central to everything. But there's also interesting stories to be told about situations where there is really an absence of hope. And that's exactly what this story is. Like she is basically at the point where she's like, I have very little to no hope of this working out. And so when it does work out, it's like, like I said before, it's like a miracle um and it like fuels her to keep going into and that's what she says at the end she's like time to get ready for like years and years of more war um yeah Dan Mon Mothma 
That was my number two, actually. But number three is surprisingly Verge of Greatness by Pablo Hidalgo. Mm. One thing about me, I love the rivalry between Tarkin and Krennic. It's just funny. Okay, it's just funny and slightly homoerotic and makes me giggle. Like, this guy, this short little guy with a silly little cape is, like, trying to convince, um, like, if we go back to Thrawn alliances, right? Yeah. Treason. Treason. If we go back to Thrawn treason, basically his whole reason for being there on Thrawn's ship is to be like, my idea is better than your idea. I mean, he's literally like a schoolgirl in a yard playing, my daddy's richer than your daddy. And I think the funniest thing to me, still, one of the funniest things in Star Wars is how, not Krennic, Tarkin probably knew exactly where Tarkin was on top of the the signal tower, and he pointed the Death Star's laser to go directly through him and explode him before exploding on Scarif. I think that is- He actually (laughs) drowned. He didn't explode, he drowned, actually. (laughs) He drowned. I think that is- probably one of the funniest like little petty things in the history of star wars is him specifically targeting the death star laser to go directly through krennic (laughs) and like he knows it in krennic's final moments he he knows that tarkin did it specifically for him only only a gay person could be that petty. So uh, true. Like, why are you that obsessed with another man? Quickly. Okay. <laughs> Get a room. We just too. established that Tarkin is canonically gay, and then you're gonna put this in front of me and expect me to not be like, what's going on? <laughs> so they're totally eyes. exes, right? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I believe in it so strong. Like, there are a few things in Star Wars that I believe in more than Dark and Krennic <laughs> bitter ex- uh, Star Wars. Uh, Where's Tarkin's? Did Tarkin get a pride cover? I think he should get a pride cover. I think Tarkin Tarkin's should get a pride cover. cover. I would be purchasing. <laughs> okay, besides the Tarkinic X feud, I think. Um. The whole point of this story was to show how futile all of Krennic's kind of outbursts were and to kind of emphasize the character that Tarkin is as well as like this poised kind of pointed dagger-like man whereas Krennic is probably like flourishy and um, like embellishes a lot and I think this was mentioned in, I, I can't remember if, the, if it was this story or in Treason, Thrawn Treason, but there was, there's a lot of moments where Krennic is like verbally jousting with people, but he doesn't realize that he leaves him open, he, that he leaves himself open to a verbal jab, and then he only realizes it after he gets jabbed, and I feel like this is like a physical manifestation of that, as this one kind of like F you to Krennic and his little shenanigans within the empire so yeah that's my number three so leah the thing is that krennic is literally such a flop like he's such a loser he's such a flop and i think that is so important he i need my representation in star wars (laughs) flop representation 
Forts and Krennic. Oh my god. Um, I've already gone over all of my top three. So, because uh, all my top three had been brought up before. Oh, okay. And then what was your second one? My second one is the one that I'm not saying because I'm letting Claire take it. Oh, Should that's we right. we talk about that? Um, I think so because, one. yeah, contingency plan was my second one. So yes, we can talk about that. All right. My second story is Eclipse, um, Bale and Brea Organa, but specifically Brea Organa, which the amount that we get Brea Organa POV in Star Wars is literally none. It's they, It literally doesn't exist. <laughs> um, and so, okay, this is like kind of off topic, but people are always talking about how we should have a Bale and Brea like wedding novel or like romance novel. And I'm like, absolutely. Um, Madeline Rue should be writing that. Like, yeah. I will not accept Ray Organa written by anybody else at this point because this story is so good. And so, hang on, I have to find the line in this story that I literally think about like every single day of my life because my it's my roommate- favorite line about Bale and Bray Organa ever. My roommate came down to ask me if she if we had any more toilet paper and I kind of just looked at her with tears streaming down my face because I was reading this story and I was like I don't think we have any more so she kind of like looked at me weird and was like okay and then walked back upstairs so yeah don't read eclipse in broad daylight in the living room with roommates people yeah it's like really it's really dark it's harrowing oh God, I can't find the line I'm like, I can't even read the chapter on. otherwise I'm gonna start crying I have to I can't no, look at the last no. page yeah no I can't do it oh my god where is it oh my god okay I found it I can't I can't do this because <laughs> okay she says um they had known each other for so long, survived so much, but in all their private mythology, never had she seen him look this way. Her husband, a man of unshakable courage and faith, now shaken to his core. And the fact that he fell to his knees after he told Brea? Because, okay, Bill Ar- I just, I have so many thoughts about Bill Argana, obviously, like, that's like my whole thing. And just, he's so, like, Uh, like exactly what she says he is so unshaken he literally has endured more than like almost anybody else in the galaxy he has been a part of this fight since literally day one and is risking more than almost anyone because he has not just the daughter but the daughter is Leia Organa aka the biological daughter of Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala so like it's pretty harrowing um but like this is the moment where he finally breaks down because he thinks that he has actually lost her and then they're literally the whole story is about them being like no like we know she is still alive and like accepting their own fate while also being like but our daughter is still out there and she's the one who's gonna save us all which is the exact same sentiment that like literally everyone expresses about Leia Organa because they're like she is she is the hope like she is the one who is going to save the rebellion and like ultimately keep the fight going and that's like again that's what I was talking about with like Ramus earlier is like he's like I believe in her so deeply that like even though I am literally dying right now like I'm not worried about the future of this rebellion because 
we have Leia and like I can't God. do it. Bale and Brea. I can't think about them without being so incredibly emotional. Um Yeah, I'm never reading really, that story again. Positive. It's yeah. I can't no. do it. <laughs> I had heard about it before and I've read it before, but I only read like a couple of pages when I read that all the way through. No, I can never. It's one of those stories that like you read once and then you can never read it again. And also the thing that gets like touched on in this story that I think about a lot is like how deeply in love Bale and Brea are with each other. Like they are, there's this line, I think it must be in Princess of Alderaan where Leia is like, someday I hope I find the kind of love that my parents have, the love that's like sharing souls. Um, because they're like literally the best couple I think ever. Like, I don't think that I've ever read. And that's why it's like a crime and a tragedy that we don't get more of the two of them together because they like the love that they have for each other. Like, I can't think of any other Star Wars couple that I, matches that in any way for me. And, like, even in this story, when they were going through, like, an unbelievable tragedy, they still, like, love and support each other, literally up until their die, like, actually until the moment that they die. <laughs> like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, they literally die at the end of this story. It just, ugh. and the way he's, like, she lives, I can't. It's, yeah, <laughs> I can't think about it. But Claire can attest to my text sent as I read this story um which are mostly incoherent lines um yeah <laughs> I cannot believe those words were written on the page and I'm supposed to be normal no literally are we supposed to be normal though apparently i don't think we are <laughs> it's like in the exact middle of the book too yeah like it's pretty much right in the middle and it's so like you if read you it and then you're like yeah and how Ta-da! am i supposed to do this novel and how am i supposed to keep going yeah rp bale and brea you were great my everything is i cannot I will never, ever forgive that one arc of Star Wars 2015 where they had the shapeshifter in prison and then he shapeshifted to look like Bale in front of Leia. I'm never, ever forgiving that. Bale Organa, like, he is my dad in many ways. (laughs) (laughs) A father to many. (laughs) A father to many, me specifically. I can't do it. Literally, every time I wa- like watch Revenge of the Sith and he's there, I'm like, okay, I feel many things for you. I will many never forget emotions. <laughs> I will never forget once at Celebration Anaheim in 2022, when some of us had gotten into the Lucasfilm showcase panel. And we had gotten the wristbands to watch Kenobi early. So we, I think it was me, Kels, and Haley, we all watched Kenobi. And then we walked back to Haley and Emily's hotel room. And then we watched the episodes of Kenobi there with, um, who was it? Emily, Liv, Ari, Haley, me, and Kels. And we were, we were separated. We were on two different beds. There was one pe- group of people who had seen it and one who hadn't. And when Alderaan came on and... 
the entire bed of people who had not seen it yelled <laughs> and they were like screaming crying throwing up the entire time the amount Peak of people memory. who were like texting me being like are you okay and I was like because I've been saying for like literally since Kenobi was announced I was like they're gonna be in it guys trust me but like I was being so delusional and then <laughs> especially Brea especially Brea I was like Brea Organa will never appear on screen again like I so fully believed that so when she came onto my screen I was like I remember because like Sage and I were like kind of watching it simultaneously and just like texting each other and I just like right after that scene happened I was like shaking I picked up my phone and they were just like are you okay like did you see this and I was like no I'm not okay actually and the, the fact that Kenobi gave us that scene where they're on the balcony and he's like you're an organa like the Bale and Leia content that I have been needing my entire life finally Final. I have a picture like of the two of them in that scene on my wall. <laughs> I have As to look should. at it every day. <sighs> anyway, I'm thinking about Bale and Bray. I need to write more Bale and Bray Organo fan fiction. I think is what I am. And I'll be sad from this conversation. It's so dangerous to think too much about Bale and Bray, huh? Because then, yeah, it's really bad. My Bale and Bray playlist was like on a repeat for like all of whatever year Kenobi came out I don't remember if that was last year it all blurs together like my Spotify wrapped was like all songs from that playlist and I was like people don't know that all of these songs are actually about <laughs> Bale and Brea Organa and that is why I've been listening to them that's so real it's like the person in the corner at the party meme literally like they don't they know don't all know these songs are like every Brea. song ever Brea I'm playlist. like wow can you believe we do know you're crying (laughs) (laughs) my number two is contingency plan which we've already discussed at length um but yeah we can move on leah what's your number one which we've already talked about we've already talked about (laughs) i have already gone through all of mine again i know it was grounded grounded okay um claire okay I have to preface this by saying I dislike this author very much so I will not be talking about them I will only be talking about this story because it is about literally my like my glove shadow like I I can't even express enough how much I love this character um the story is called by whatever son it is about Miara Lardy um who, as, as we all know, um, well, as we all may not know, because, but if you no follow on social media, you know um, that I love the Lardy sisters so much. They actually were created by me. Um, I actually wrote the story. Everything they've ever appeared in was written by me. Um, they're my characters, actually. Um, but this story is the only Lardy sisters content that exists outside of the Ahsoka novel um which is quite harrowing uh thank you so much Tales of the Jedi for literally making it so that they can never appear again um I love you so much for that just kidding I hate you yeah it's being a Lardy yeah being a Lardy sisters fan is like actually the worst thing ever because not only is the creator of the characters a literal horrible person but like they are actively being erased from the star wars canon um 
but luckily I will continue to crank out the fan fiction so <laughs> you can count Doing on me, God's guys. work um but anyway this story is about Mayor Lardy at the medal ceremony on Alderaan and what I love about it other than the fact that it's about Mayor Lardy and Caden Lardy gets mentioned in it is that Caden and Mira's home planet Raida was this farming planet and it got not like destroyed destroyed in the way that Alderaan did but basically the empire like wiped it out so they could like it would never be like um they would never be able to live there again and they would never be able to farm the land again um which is a long story um because there's an entire novel about it but anyway so they become they moved to Alderaan like as refugees basically Miara has wanted to become a pilot her entire life so she becomes like a rebel pilot um and then Alderaan gets destroyed and so they're at the medal ceremony and it she has this really and this is what I was talking about earlier with like being able to understand like the gravity of an entire planet being destroyed and that is her whole thing is like she's like Raida is still there like we can never live there again but like we could go there if we wanted to whereas Alderaan is just gone and she also is feeling a lot of grief about that because Alderaan is like the second closest thing she ever had to a home um and so she's like but she's like I don't feel like that I get to grieve in the way that I maybe want to because there are people who literally like were born and raised there and grew up there and everyone they knew was there and it's really interesting if she doesn't almost feel like worthy of of grieving that way but like obviously she is because it is her home too um also there's a line that's like home had always been like where Caden was or something like that and I'm like ooh, that hurt anyway um also this does confirm that Miara did know that Ahsoka Tano was Fulcrum incredibly important but anyway I just love Miara Lardy um and I think she has such a like great story even though we literally never get to see her um and yeah any any place where Caden Lardy aka literally like in my top three Star Wars characters any place she gets to be mentioned um is a win so yeah anyway stand by whatever son written by me um I wrote it actually I don't know if everyone knows but I'm actually a published Star Wars author um <laughs> I also wrote the Ahsoka novel you might not know this <laughs> anyway yeah that's my number one well my number one was Eclipse by Madeline Rue and we've already talked about it, it and I've be. I've already talked about my reaction to it. Um, but yeah, I will never be able to read that story ever again. It has ruined me. <sighs> There's something so important about books, stories, whatever, that are like, this is my favorite. If I if you ever see me reading it again, I need you to take it out yeah. of my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's literally me with... Me. That's me with bounty hunters. What is it? Six, seven, uh, 26, 32, 34, and 35. Not 17. Oh, I forgot about 17. 17. Yeah, <laughs> definitely 17. There's too many numbers. I told uh, Ethan this. There's too many numbers. Any final thoughts on from a certain point of view, a new hope? Um, I love the Will's story at the end. Mm, I think yeah. those are I think so it's funny. fun and funky fresh. Yeah. 
And just the fact that the, like the implications of the wills are the ones telling all of these stories, I think is so, so important. It's not that far away. It's better to say like a long, <laughs> long time ago in a galaxy far away. <laughs> also when they're like, why are you starting with like, why are you starting with Leia? Why, what, <laughs> what about the Clone Wars? And then it goes on to oh, mention- Oh, does that mean we're going to get to talk about Jin and Cassian? <laughs> no, no, we're skipping over <laughs> All right, well, also, after Asajj this, we're going to talk about mentioned. Lumpy and Itchy. And... <laughs> lumpy and Itchy. Uh, <laughs> the silly, goofy activities. Yeah, <gasps> I love anthologies. I love when Star Wars is anthologies. Um, everybody so reads Tales of Light and Life when it comes out. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I need to read it. Um... Um, all I can say about it is um, Obi Wan Kenobi reaction dot JK. What does that mean? I need it. I need it um, so bad. I can't say anything else than that because I don't want to spoil it for people. Um, so true. Wow, Star Wars anthologies. It, show me Gotta a Star Wars them. anthology, and I will show you a book that I love. Um, <laughs> real yeah more star wars anthologies that's that's really what i want so speaking of more star wars anthology we should go around the zoom call and talk about your dream story and your dream author to write it leah you go first is uh, so like what are the restrictions on this is this like um there are no restrictions, but it has to be from a certain point of view style in it, not from return. Well, yeah, from just any, I, I'm going to say the movies from a certain point of view style, including yeah. anthologies. Fun fact about me. When The Last Jedi came out, my friend and I went to see it opening night and then every Tuesday for several weeks after that we would go at midnight and see it again slay um I need I need the master code breakers perspective on what the hell happened in the in the um canto bite cantina oh your brain is so massive you are so powerful and they point at him and they go Master code, and then they immediately get arrested. And meanwhile, he's like, "Why would you out me as a master code breaker in the middle of me playing, of me playing space craps? Like, what are you doing? Why are you getting arrested? What is happening?" Um, yeah, I just, I just need, I need to know what was going through his head. And I will sign the petition. <laughs> and I do not want it to ever give him a name. I want him to keep being Master Codebreaker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's my uh, that's my fact pop. Um, <laughs> looking forward Told to that. In the, looking forward to that in the 2015. <laughs> All right, player. What about you? Okay. Um. So this is in the, from a certain point of view, Revenge of the Sith, whenever she happens. Um, 
since the delegation of what 2000 3000 whatever that number 2000. that is 2000. 2000 okay i thought it was 2000 for some reason my brain was like 3000 <laughs> anyway um bail organa pov delegation of 2000 like literally the deleted scene from revenge of the sith um in a book because it got deleted from the film um alternatively also bail organa pov when he goes to the jedi temple um and see and that sees that jedi kid get killed um because it would be very sad to have his like internal monologue for that one um but no the the delegation of 2000 we need we need the stories um i need a bill organa pov we need a cannon i need a padme amidala yeah that's my biggest like if this doesn't happen i will be causing problems also you talked about the last jedi and now i'm thinking about broom kid from the end of the last jedi because like (laughs) who deserves a fat bomb story more than him (laughs) so true all right this will come as a surprise to nobody (laughs) but (laughs) i have two i already know what it is yeah so the first one is gonna be i can set it in from a certain point of view from a certain point of view return of the jedi because i made the rules so i can and my when i got this idea in my head when the when the titles and the point of views haven't hadn't been announced yet I want Alyssa to write a valent story of him surviving Return of the Jedi so badly because, like, if you think about it, their style and, like, their niche of body horror would work so well with his character. And then I also need, uh, from a certain point of view story in Solo, from the point of view of Valance getting blown up and him seeing Han for the very last time until he gets cyborgified. And I would like Mer Lafferty to write that, I think, because she has such a good understanding of Han's character. And Valance and Han are very, very similar characters, just they put their allegiances in different things. I think she would slay so hard. But yeah, so just to recap, again, a surprise to nobody, Valance Return of the Jedi story by Alyssa Wong and Mer Lafferty solo story of Valance getting blown up. <sighs> well wow we did it we did it guys <laughs> we did it joe <laughs> we did it congratulations <laughs> the amount of like fe- like they need to be getting me on the phone when they're planning the prequels for from a certain point of view Truly. i have idea i have ideas like i have so many ideas i should start like writing these down so that when it inevitably Honestly, happens, do it. i can be like I thought of that. I thought of that first. <laughs> I literally All right. like so many. So now, this is going to be a really good Castle Run book club because all of us read the comics. At least I think so. Um, so we're just going to start off really quickly with, coincidentally, another anthology series with Hyperspace Stories number seven. This is the one about Bosk taking the Wookiee back to his home, but he has daddy issues. Her home. Her home. Sorry. <laughs> taking this is back. The same, taking... This is the same uh, Wookiee girl 
from with the, with the, the first doll. issue from yes. um the fourth issue with Ray. Um she is a recurring character, her and her doll, they are the 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 glue that ties this whole anthology together. Um yeah. Uh hyperspace stories. Um hyperspace stories, we have been hyperspace stories fans, we have been in the trenches um due to delays. Yeah. Um and you know I'm I'm glad that we're still getting these stories because I have loved every single one of them. Um and but getting to see angsty, not angsty, but like every time we get Boba thinking about his dad, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do like this guy. Yeah, he may have been an he may have been a jerk to Valen, but like he's just got daddy issues. <laughs> okay, and so does Valence, who also has mommy issues, mostly because he can't remember either of them. Okay, well, at least Boba I, remembers I'm that. Glad, I'm glad Boba has mommy case. issues in that he, his mom is like a test tube. Uh, like he yeah, he literally even waxes poetic about that in Backpog. Oh um, my god, yeah. But yeah, when he's like, that... Mama Fett raised me well, I mean, I actually don't have a mom, but you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> as if Nala say isn't his mom. Um, <laughs> But um, just, I'm very glad that his daddy issues manifested in order to help uh, Vivine. She deserves that. So true. Yeah. So Boba Fett daddy issues versus Bosk issue. I give it a medium thumb. Uh, yeah. Medium thumb because um, Vivian didn't get the doll back. So true. She canonically does not get it back until the sequels era. It's very sad. Yeah. Okay. Next, we have Bestie of the Pod writing Max Rebo in the Return of the Jedi one shot for Max Rebo by Daniel Jose Older. Can I just say, I did not expect a comic about fucking max rebo to be that introspective and like thought-provoking about Daniel Jose life. Older, i should have expected it <laughs> no literally like we shouldn't be surprised like it's about life and letting go and moving on and Learning thinking about mentorship oh stop <laughs> i can't with you anyway ah. i wasn't expecting to cry about max rebo but here we are. It's a Daniel Jose Older joint. Cry. <laughs> I don't Boba even know what Max It's just reminding me of in the Boba Fett story in Fag Pop when he says that Majava would like get drunk and you would like talk and about his have... exes. Oh, and have Max my God. playing sad. like sad See? music. In... That's why. That's why in Tales of the Bounty Hunters, why Catholic Boba Fett made no sense. That man is a slut. A slut. Uh, um, just, like that is the funniest thing ever to me. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Max, Max Rebo, Rebo. Very, slay. very 
very good. Um, also, Droopy McCool, shout out to Tommy Stella. <laughs> I saw people shipping them on Twitter, Max Remo. <laughs> I mean, I see I was it. Like, yeah. I get it. I support. I support the fact that the Game fact rights. that Droopy McCool canonically understands when Max is feeling down before Max even understands why he's yeah. feeling down. Why are the, you the best excited? Why are you I... as a Droopy McCool? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually going I... to be revealed in Back Pop Return of the Jedi that they actually had a romantic relationship um yeah i max repo very good i personally give this comic one thumb up and a half thumb up the the half thumb would be there if it had a max rebussy i didn't get to see his little booty so that's why it lost out on the half thumb um i'm i'm gonna say um I'm gonna say two thumbs up because we got Hut Slayer Leia, but like not so focusing true. on the sexy outfit, focusing on her being Hut Slayer. That's yeah. that's one of the things I wrote down in my review. Okay, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the Paul Fry art because I think the silhouette, the use of the silhouette for that moment specifically, mwah, so important, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, the second thumb is entirely coming from the art, which I think is this perfect oh, yeah. mix between the like fun cartoony story that you expect and like the noir that it ends up being yeah um also shout out to paul fry man one of the most beautiful luke skywalkers to ever grace a panel in comics so true (laughs) but yeah one thumb up half thumb up for me so one and a half thumbs. Two thumbs. Two thumbs okay. for Leah. <laughs> so now we move on to Dark Droids number one, which I want to preface this statement. We know I'm a comics girly. Have been since day one. I don't understand why after two straight years of crossover a crossover with the title crossovers with tie-ins in between each like ongoing series with ties to one of the ongoing series that's not part of the crossover two straight years of that two straight years we end three months ago we ended three months ago in april we have three months of continuously running beautiful stories that are not attached to any part of the crossover and then we just go straight into another one yeah but it was good it was good but like there's a principle like i i will that that's why i said it was my preface i enjoyed dark droids number one i will i will admit it myself i'm just worried we're getting too into the Marvel tie-in fatigue that is plaguing like the Marvel titles right now. I understand that. I I really do understand that. <laughs> but the last panel of Dark Droids won. I know. I know. 
I that's why that that's I'm why like, I said I'm because I'm of the same mind as you of like you know I, I like I like when we got to have like the little like micro pseudo crossover with the main title opera and Vader I think that was fun um but they were still each getting to tell their own stories you know I like the places that each of these stories have gotten to be with um you know where Afra is in her story where the rebellion is in their story um you know do we really need to bring in another like big crossover major event um but it was really enjoyable and I know I, I like the art was like, good I can forgive maybe I don't know um I don't know I'm I don't conflicted know. I said that I would stay my reservations about this because I, I talked about this on Twitter and I was in the middle of reading Dark Joys and I was like oh, okay maybe maybe I'm a little bit wrong about this and then by the end I was like okay I'm gonna hesitate on my hesitation for a second maybe I will just go in with the with an open mind but I did want to preface it with that because as someone who was very much reading these crossovers as they were coming out for two years straight, we had three months of reprieve and now we're jumping back into another one. I just wanted to address that. But yes, all in all, Dark Droids number one was very good. I don't remember when D-Squad starts. Is it next? Is it this month or next month? Do you know, Leah? Um, really, next month. Next month? Okay. But yeah. Dark Droids is a really interesting concept, and it's it's weirdly kind of timely with all of the AI stuff that's going yeah. on, which is a little bit freaky. Um, and Charles talked about this at San Diego Comic-Con a little bit, that it was weirdly coincidental, but it's, it's interesting to think about because he's not only going after droids, he's going after people with cybernetic implants, which is where we get the variant with both Tolvin and Valance being Ajaxified, which scares me. I'm My baby girl's scared. already been through so much. And free him. He cannot truly. catch a break. <laughs> he cannot catch a break. What a poor baby girl. And speaking of that, um, because uh, it, it's it's going to be hard to talk about any of the Dark Droid stories without also talking about what they tie into. So kind of bringing in Star Wars 37, where we see that with Lobot, who mm -hmm. is more so, uh, Valence is getting there, more so than almost any other uh, person with cyborg prostheses in Star Wars is, um, has the computer parts extremely, extremely integrated into his brain um, to the point that his, own personality is suppressed which we're not gonna get into like the star wars and all of fiction trope of like prostheses making you less human we know that this is bad um but um seeing lobot who has the focus whenever the focus is on lobot and lando it is on how Lobot is um, 
subject to his implants. And to see him so dramatically subject to his implants in 37, distressing. Yeah. Distressing. <sighs> really like Lobot and Lando seeing them fighting I like them too yeah. especially in Lando and once you hear the story about how his implants take over and knowing what we know from Legends and the original Marvel title actually it just it makes me sad I like them and let's not forget okay that's one thing I forgot to bring up which is kind of tied to star both Dark Droids and Star Wars but at the be- at the very very beginning of the Star Wars title in like January ish 2013. The whole reason they had basically gotten into the War of the Bounty Hunters was because they had found a droid that could help push back on Imperial programming, on the Imperial programming, suppressing Lobot's personality. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why they were talking about the the droid at the end of Dark Droids. Because currently it is floating out in space above Tatooine. Okay, I think I haven't read Star Wars 2020 in a while, um, or at least reread the first arc. But oh, go ahead. Was it not? Um, didn't Jabba just throw it into his droid torture chamber? Yes, that is correct. I forget how he they dropped got there. it over Tatooine. Jabba picked it up. Yeah. And then he started, um, he started torturing it. And I think R2, I don't remember if it was R2, but it was somebody. And they almost Ajaxed him, the translation droid, excuse me, translation droid, who was able to help Lobot. But now, can't help either of them. Yeah, I need to reread these comics. Uh, yeah, that's the one I thing with to... crossovers, is I need to, like, keep going back through that. Yeah, track of me everything. too. That was like when Crimson Rain and Hidden Empire were first coming out. Um, I I definitely reread those first two arcs. The the first one is the mission to Starlight or like Starlight Squadron, and then the second one is um the encoding thing, and they got new codes and to encode to oh, I forget what the word is, but to to encode them so the empire wouldn't be able to read them because they had sold them out or no they found the one hoth and that's how they were able to find the rebel cells so they had to re-encode them using a new language that was in the droid see it all gets very confusing um <laughs> yes i do want to say the droid uh the talkie getting thrown him getting thrown into jabba's droid torture chamber it literally happened in this issue yeah um so neither of us had any excuse to not remember it <laughs> entirely. Um, Oopsies. And um, in my defense, I've read yeah, a lot. There is a um, not Ajax. A it from Dark Droids looks like Ajax is going to be against the Scourge. The Scourge, okay. The Scourge okay. Um, looks like it gets eight D eight. The uh, not eight D eight. That's the the smelter droid um the overseer droid the one with the long yeah, 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 yeah. Face that i can't mm-hmm. remember its designation damn it's over for them <sighs> well i think good times good times in star wars comics land <laughs>
So, and also Bounty Hunters 38 comes out in two weeks. Or no, not 30. Wait, 30, is it 37 or 38? No, it's 37. It's I don't know. I read way too many things. Huh? It's 38. Oh, no. Okay. 38 is in September. It's 37. Okay. I was right. Sorry. So I was for... looking at September still. <laughs> I'm so... afraid. So. I was looking for... at September still from your D Squad question. Ah, okay. For Dark Droids, I give it one thumb up. And then for Star Wars 37, I give it one thumb and a half thumb. Because I like Lobot and Lando. Lobot and Lando, very good to up. So true. Okay. Let's do some literacy updates very quickly. I've been quite busy myself. So in yeah. non-Star Wars comic, <laughs> in non-Star yeah. Wars comic land, I have, since we have convened last, I've finished Saga. I hate you and Isabella for getting me into it, Leah. This is your You're fault. Welcome. Um, I'm not looking at I you love anymore. Saga. Saga's very good. Everyone should read Saga. Uh, Saga drives look me up crazy. A list of trigger warnings before you read Saga. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> um, and also, I don't recommend starting it until after it starts coming back out in publication because I am going <laughs> insane. See, everyone keeps complaining about how it gets delayed, but I'm in the middle of reading it right now. So I'm like, this is great. I have time to read it and be caught. Wait, up. which issue are you on? Um, I just got volumes, I just picked up volumes, um, I think six and seven from the library. Oh, okay. So you're okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, now that I'm back from vacation, I can, like, really yeah. read. Um, you can turn your letters quite, on. It's quite bleak. <laughs> it's a really, really, really Emotional. good comic. It it's is. also really, really, really bleak. a lot of the time yeah um it is one of the most emotionally distressing comics i would have to one of the most emotionally distressing things i have ever read yeah um i'm not ready for them to execute saga 66 i'm not prepared for what happens in the next just to any of the listeners who decide to start reading saga be prepared be prepared for emotional whiplash yeah, um, that is I think if I if I would have to describe saga in two words I would have to say emotional whiplash it's I read it's the dark. entirety of saga's backlog up to issue um up to issue 64 in a single day and you are crazy for that that's like and, insanity um I think How I cried re- about 10 times and I think four issues in a day and for the next day, I was basically in an emotional hangover. Um, like I said, emotional whiplash. It's great. You sh- everyone should read it. Um, <laughs> read it for my boy Goose. <laughs> Just simply a little Petricor. guy. Petricor slays. I will have to say Petricor slays. I would say Clara slays, except she is a transphobe. So no longer Gilf. I take the honorary title of Gilf away from her. Duncan. <laughs> okay. So next on my list besides Saga is I did a quick Han Solo Imperial Cadet reread because I miss Haunted Valance so bad, but I don't have the I fortitude to... Huh? <laughs> I never could have guessed. 
I miss them so bad, but I don't have the emotional fortitude to read, to do another, yet another Bounty Hunters reread, even though Ethan pressured me into doing it. And I also read the free comic book day issue that I got at Comic-Con of Fish Flies, which is a new comic from Jeff Lemire. I think that's how you say his name. Jeff Lemire? Lemire? I don't know. The the guy who wrote uh, Sweet Tooth and one of the Moon Knight runs. I don't remember. It was good, and I looked for it at my comic book store the next week, but they didn't have it, and now I'm sad. <sighs> but then after Fish Flies, I read... From a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back, which we'll be talking about in our next episode. Um, that book drove me crazy. Anyways, and then just last night, I started House of X and Powers of X, which is one of the events from 2019 that kind of soft rebooted the X-Men. And I am in a Marvel comic mood right now, but I shouldn't be because I need to read Star Wars Rebellion. But yeah, that's um, my literacy update. Nice. Do you want Leo's literacy update? I'm yes. just going to do from the past two weeks. Okay. Um, so from the past oh. two weeks, <laughs> I have uh, I have read Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers, as well as the sequel Prayer for the Crowd Shy by Becky Chambers. Wow. Really, really, really good books. Um we love a novella about robots with feelings and queer people. Um, I have also read, uh, because I am the honorary Emily here today, um, the following romance novels. Oh my God. Death's Choice by TJ Alexander, Hang the Moon by Alexandria Belfleur, um, Perks of Loving a Wallflower by Erica Ridley, The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics by Olivia Waite, Count Your Lucky Stars by Alexandria Belfort. I have also read uh, Escape from Incel Island by Margaret Kiljoy, which I can't recommend, but it was very funny to read. Wait, I have it right here. Um, It's (laughs) an absolute trip. And like I said, I cannot recommend it but it was hilarious. Okay. Um, for the, the king of the incels, his name is King Harry Dick. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other updates besides reading From a Certain Point of View, A New Hope, in a freaking day? A day? Um, I did read it in six hours. Still not not a whole day, just six hours. Oh my god. Um... I mean, if we're talking comics, Spirit World number four by um, Alyssa Wong with art by Heining. So good. Um, Spirit World continues to be a phenomenal comic run. Um, Yeah. um, Star Trek Defiant number six. That was really good. Uh, The current this is the real thing, the real rough thing for me. Uh, both Star Trek and Star Wars are having big crossovers right now. Because um, in Star Trek, they're having the Day of Blood crossover. Um, I'm not going to get too much into it because I know that a lot of the people who listen <laughs> to the pod know nothing about Star Trek. Um, long story short, 
the Klingons are having a religious uprising and the crew of both the USS Theseus and the USS Defiance are stuck on um, on Konos during this fight. That's not very cash money. Um, No, it's very cash money because uh, we're getting the crews of these two ships interacting. um, Which is very fun because they're both just great groups of characters. Um, Shout out to Talir. I love them. Um, The gender binary is illogical. You're so real for that. Yeah, that's really all I have to say for literacy right now. My comics literacy has been low lately. Uh, Maybe it'll come back. Really, I've just been reading romance stuff. (laughs) (sighs) Claire, how has your literacy been faring this fine summer? Well, my literacy is always terrible, actually. Um, (laughs) But I have been reading... I am, yeah, I am working my way through Saga. As I said, I do need to finish that. Now that, because I've been like traveling basically nonstop for the past like three weeks. So now I'm like, well, I'm traveling tomorrow again, but then I will be done and then I will get back to reading. Um, <laughs> but I I was reading this novella. Um, it's called The Salt Grows Heavy. It's by Cassandra Kaw, I want to say. Um, Morgan recommended it to me incredible recommendation it's like it's a novella so it's not that long which is why I was like I can do that um and it's basically how do I describe this it's like a it's like body horror but it's about Ooh. this mermaid who was married to this like human man and he was like awful so her children like cannibalized the entire kingdom and like ate all of them and so now she's like on the run and she meets this gender ambiguous plague doctor um, and they become they get like they are like on the run together and then they meet this like society of like kind of immortal beings who like reuse their people's like body parts. I don't know. It's really there's so much going on, um, but the prose is incredible like I it's been taking me like forever to read it because it's like I need to actually read every word like I feel like sometimes when I read things I'm like I just need to know what's happening but this one I'm like I have to like absorb every single sentence um and I also bought she has another novella called nothing but black and teeth which I just bought because I'm like I know I'm going to need to read more of her stuff but yeah it's literally so good and like yeah the premise is crazy it's I have no words it's literally incredible and I didn't think I didn't know if I was gonna like it because I can like body horror but sometimes if it gets too like medical I guess I like can't do it but I haven't had a problem so far it's been it's definitely like nasty sometimes but like it is very good and the characterization of the mermaid and the plague doctor and like their relationship to each other is like the most weirdly intimate thing I think I have ever read um anyway so yeah that slays um and you said this is called the salt grows heavy yeah and it's pretty yeah it's pretty short but it's like it's a I think it could be a quick read if you're a faster reader than me like I'm a very slow reader so like 
Okay. And I haven't had a lot of time to read recently, but I don't, it's not like super long or anything, obviously. Um, okay. But yeah, it's like so good. Once again, shout out to Morgan. I've literally been texting her like constantly being like, why did you recommend this to me? I literally am going crazy. <laughs> um, we love non-Star Wars literacy. So true. It's rare for me, so. Oh, I haven't read a non-Star Wars book in probably three years. <laughs> me reading something that isn't either Star Wars or like rereading longer games is like, we must be celebrating. Incredibly rare. <laughs> although speaking of the hunger games the deluxe edition of not deluxe but like exclusive edition of ballad of songbirds and snakes finally came out and there was an interview with suzanne collins in it and she never does interviews so it was a huge occasion and she talked about <laughs> how all the characters are named after like philosophers and shakespeare characters which i kind of already knew because i <laughs> have done a lot of research but it was very interesting um so yeah shout out to that rare Suzanne talking about her books shout out to literacy I love her so much I love her so much and I respect her so much for being like I will just write really good books and then mind my own business but sometimes I'm like so real please get on social media (laughs) like I need (laughs) you to talk more about these books but no please stay off social media Suzanne you have the right idea (laughs) real well thank you both very much for being on this episode today i i think we'll be having you back for empire strikes back with another very special guest um but yeah thank you both for coming on this podcast and talking about from a certain point of view a new hope with me um if you want to email us our email will be in the description and again all of our socials will be in the description um thank you all so much for listening and may the force be with you